everyone. It is great to have your company. You have just heard a Karelian at the Church of Covenant in Cleveland, in the state of Ohio, USA. Today's episode and the one coming soon are all about bells. While talking to your grandchildren, you can make a link between bells and the farm animals we mentioned last week. Because bells of different sizes and sounds are still used on farms. Attached to animals' necks, the bells let the farmer know how far the cattle cows, sheep, and goats ventured away. Some people also attach little bells to cats' necks, in this way warning the birds about cats' presence. You might have some bells in your house, such as a real doorbell, or in the garden, such as wind chimes, making a pleasant sound on a breezy day. Wind chimes are actually tubular bells that are made uh, that made their way to symphony orchestras together with cowbells. Do you know that there is a specific area of bells research and it is called campanology? Campanology includes studies of the way the bells are cast, tuned, rung, and sound as well as the history, traditions, um, and methods of bell ringing as an art. And here is a bit of history. The earliest bells found by archaeologists date back five millennia to 3000 BC. They were pottery bells unearthed in China. Their sound must have been somewhat muffled compared to the metal bells that were made 1,000 years later, around 2000 BC. Since the Bronze Age, the bells have been made of bronze, a mixture of 80% of copper and around 20% of tin, with a very small amount of other metals, such as gold, silver, nickel, aluminium, or zinc. In the Western world, people are familiar with Carolians, Christmas bells, and the clock bells, for example, in grandfather's clocks. Clock towers are still part of significant public buildings today, town halls, large post offices and several parliament houses around the world. No doubt that the most famous clock tower is the one at the Palace of Westminster in London. Many churches were also built with bell towers and the church bells played an important role in the lives of people inhabiting villages, towns and large cities. The sound of church bells reminded people of masses and prayers and accompanied various social occasions and celebrations, weddings, funerals, and seasonal festivities. The bells were also signaling danger, such as a fire outbreak or an enemy's army approaching the town. 
Bells have got their cousins, the instruments that also produce a ringing sound. Some of the oldest are gongs, flat circular metal discs hit with a mallet. Um, they have been widely used in China, Burma, today's Myanmar, Tibet and Java. You might have heard about Javanese gamelan, an instrumental ensemble that includes gongs and metallophones of different sizes and tones. In Tibet and Nepal, you can still hear singing bowls, also called Himalayan bowls. The player either strikes the instrument or runs a mallet around the rim. And this produces a deep pulsating sound found by many people as relaxing, improving sleep, lowering blood pressure, reducing depression and providing pain relief. Now, to finish part one of the Bell's family episode, let's listen to a piano piece called Campanella in other words, A Little Bell, by Franz Liszt, a Hungarian composer of the 19th century. The melody comes from a violin concerto by Nicola Paganini, an Italian composer, and the most celebrated violin virtuoso of his time. It is technically challenging pace, for even mature pianists. But it seems that a 10-year-old child prodigy, Jonah Hall, who is going to perform this piece for us, doesn't have much problem mastering it. I'm looking forward to catching up with you in part two of the Bell's family. The second part will entirely focus on the Bell's related activities that you can share with your grandchildren. Well, meantime, take care and enjoy Campanella by Franz Liszt. Mm -hmm.